Any individual who also wishes to record this meeting must notify the chair in accordance with Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Section 20F. First on the agenda, we have our pledge, if everyone wouldn't mind standing. As is customary, we will now pause for a moment of silence. Thank you. <coughs> Moving on, routine business review of agenda. Review of agenda looks. Well, we do, but you've already speak, you were talking to a pledge student um, before the meeting began, yeah, so it's actually okay. You already started. No stress. I have the write up. No, we're going to do it again. No. Do it again. No, it's okay. It's my meeting. We're going to do it again. It's your meeting. Yeah. You definitely want to honor Yeah. Okay. Tonight's pledge student. All right. Rewind. Ahan Shetty, our own senior. Uh, he is our Franklin High School senior class president, member of DECA, and captain of the mock trial team. In his spare time, he volunteers and mentors middle school band students. He enjoys learning and problem solving. His teachers describe him as hardworking, creative, responsible, intelligent, and respectful. Ahan has been instrumental in the positive start to the year that FHS has had. He's looking forward to enjoying his friends during his last year at FHS. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That was the best one. It was. All right. Review of agenda. Agenda looks okay to everyone. Uh, payment of bills, Mr. McNeil. Bills are hard. All right, payroll's all set. And now we have our student reps here. I'm so sorry, but we're so excited that you guys are back. Yeah. We missed you this summer. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we're happy to be back in school. Obviously sad that summer's gone, but we're excited to be back at school. So to give us a little update about how the year started at FHS, to me, it's been a good start to the year, a good start to my senior year last year in Franklin. Um, to give a little bit of information of what's going on in the school is, FHS will be hosting a club fair next Thursday during the students' lunch block. At this club fair, many of the students, including the freshmen, can learn about the, I think it's like close to 40 clubs that FHS offers, and they can get insight into what they may want to join during their time at FHS and see what they're interested in. Um, Mokra will be hosting an open meeting to all this Thursday from 6.30 to 8. If anyone's interested in auditioning for the team, they can go to that meeting, get more information, and see if they're still interested, and go ahead with auditioning for the team. And Hans, one of the captains here. Um, picture day for the high school students will be on September 20th and 21st during the day. Um, curriculum night will be hosted on Thursday, September 28th from 6 to 8. This is where parents can meet um, their students' teachers and have a little chat with the teachers about like how the year is going to start. Um, if anyone from the high school is interested in auditioning for the jazz band at our high school, 
they can contact our band director, Mr. Redsford, for more information about that. Um, with the freshmen coming in this year, they'll, they'll be holding student government elections. Um, they can currently pick up nomination forms from their house office, and to do that, they need to get signatures from their classmates and signatures from their class advisors and an assistant principal in order to run. And those forms are due September 18th. Um, looking ahead a little bit, we have our homecoming dance on Friday, October 6th, and this year it's gonna be outside again, like how it was our sophomore year. And the homecoming game will be the day before on that Thursday night at home against Tom at seven o'clock. And ticket sales for the Legally Blonde, which is a Franklin High School Theater production, uh, will go on sale October 1st with the production being in no mid-November. Uh, thanks, Sid. Um, to give a sports update about what's going on at Franklin High, um, we've kind of picked up right where we left off, and that's really good. Um, the volleyball team had a three-set win over KP last night. Uh, the football team had an electric win on Thursday night against Wachusett. Uh, the boys' soccer season started off 2-0. They're also off to a great start, and the girls um, earned the win in their opener against OA, and now the record is 1-1. One one. For our senior class, we want to point out that graduation is no longer on June 7th. It is officially May 31st, so update your calendar if you need to. Um, senior photos have to be submitted to the yearbook by October 6th. And also, anyone that would like to submit a baby photo for the yearbook also has to submit it by October 6th. That is on a first-come, first-served basis, so get that in quickly. And any senior that wants to submit a senior quote uh, will also do that by November 1st. For the class of 25, the prom venue is booked for May 3rd at the Lakeview Pavilion. That's a brand new location. Um, typically, we would go all the way in Randolph, but this actually is in Foxborough. Um, so that'll be exciting for the junior class. And also, PSATs are held on Saturday, October 14th, and anyone that wants to participate in that can register. Bill report, thank you. Guys. Yeah. Does <laughs> anyone <laughs> um, questions? You guys are welcome to stay, or you can get out. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We did miss you though, but it's true. But it's late. It is. So, so this year, as Ahan said, said, they are seniors, and as is tradition, we have juniors in, invited to join a, a, the student reps to represent the junior class, and then that allows us to have some continuity between student reports. So we have two juniors who will be joining us at various points during the school year. I know that Ahan and Sid and these two folks, uh, these two students have been working with Mr. Hammond to determine who is available uh, depending on the school community meeting night. So the two folks that we are welcoming will be Ella Mahoney, who is a junior, she's the class president, and Sawyer Whitmore will be joining as well as the junior class vice president as well. So we want to welcome Ella Mahoney and Sawyer Whitmore. They'll be joining us throughout this school year, okay? Okay. All right, so the opening of school, the academic year of 23-24 has officially kicked off for the public schools with a lot of activity and some additional heat that folks were uh, really resilient around, particularly our students and our teachers and our staff and leaders. 
Uh, we welcomed back for over 4,600 students, 800 faculty, and staff with great excitement. Uh, the FPS leadership team and staff worked tirelessly to ensure that our facilities were ready, that the classrooms were set up, ready to welcome students, that the opening day activities were planned, families were communicated with, and colleagues were met and professional learning took place, uh, which folks participated in. So I want to thank everyone who uh, contributed to that um, to make this year a successful start for our students. We began by welcoming our staff on Monday the 28th with a breakfast and gathering followed by some opening remarks and some staff recognitions. And then our staff transitioned to their respective schools for building-based kickoffs with their school leadership teams. On Tuesday, we began with the Office of Teaching and Learning um, with some messages from that office around district improvement goals, which you'll hear a little bit more about tonight. And we also had our keynote, Mirko Chardon from Novak Education, return for his second year as the keynote. And he focused on universal design for learning and the principles related to that with MTSS, which is Multi-Tiered Systems of Support, which is a continued goal. Uh, the staff then participated in a variety of professional learning activities tailored to their level and their role. I'd like to express my gratitude to everyone, our leaders, our teachers, our students, our families, our entire community, you as a school committee, all played a pivotal role in us opening, and I'm really proud to be leading this district in this capacity in my second year, and I'm really Proud to be working with the admin that we have in this room as well, who were um, instrumental in helping get this off the ground. Mrs. Morano, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Dutch, everyone in the crowd that you'll see that we'll introduce later, um, and you as a school committee um, for your support. So thank you. Hiring update um, included an update in your packet. We have successfully hired all teachers. There are zero teachers left to hire at this point. Our ESPs from last. The August 22nd was the last time we provided an update. We had 21 vacancies. We are down to 11 across all levels. And uh, we are still in search of an AP at Keller Elementary, an assistant principal. And in non-union, we are, we are from five positions down to two, and those are interventionists that we continue to post and try to hire from. I want to thank our administrative team, particularly our assistant principals and principals at the building level for their work to not only post, but to screen applicants, invite and schedule interviews, put a team together, develop questions and ratings, then recommend based on the follow-up of those meetings and go through an entire process. And sometimes we do that and we don't end up with a recommendation for an employee. So we have to start over. So I just point that out as a process that we go through in Franklin. So when you see numbers where things aren't filled, sometimes we don't recommend to fill because we didn't do that, but that doesn't mean we give up, we keep trying. And I wanna thank um, everyone involved with um, that, that work because we're trying to hire the best people to put in front of our kids. But I am pleased to, to report that um, the numbers continue to go down and we continue to fill positions. It's not easy, it's a competitive market. There's not as many people applying for jobs as we described last year, but we continue to try to do that and bring the best people into the district. I have a migrant housing update. As we previously shared with our community, Governor Moore Healy in Massachusetts declared this state of emergency for the ongoing migrant crisis. Uh, as referenced in the press release from the town of Franklin, um, Franklin was one of the communities that has been asked to aid uh, those displaced from their homes. So we were informed from DESC, which is the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, that Franklin would be um, a, a long-term temporary housing shelter at one of our hotels within town to welcome families. 
Families are joining us in, uh, on a staggered basis, and there are 100 units, and right now 35 of those units are occupied as shared by the town administrator last week at the town council. And approximately 25 of those folks are uh, school-aged children in those families. Um, as a public district, we have a responsibility to provide education and educational services for all children in our community, regardless of their background and their circumstances. So we are currently collaborating with our town departments and with our staff and local departments um, to ensure that we collaborate to enroll students, register students, and work to get them educated as we have responsibility to do so, and welcome students into our schools. The DESC notified us that state will be providing some funding assistance to school districts based on the number of students that are enrolled um, through a metric. And as we do with any student who enrolls in our schools, we must protect the privacy of individuals. So I know there's been questions around um, where students may be attending or what class they'll be in. And just like with any student who we would enroll, we wouldn't be providing that out publicly. Um, but I am trying to be as transparent as possible and provide you with the information that would be helpful. Um, we um, anticipate that our school communities, regardless of where students go, will welcome new families, and particularly our new students who will be joining us for this school year. And we will continue to provide updates as more information becomes available. It's a bit of a rolling admission. It's a bit of an um, uh, evolving situation that we are trying to do our best to make sure that we do it systematically. Um, the DESE guidance was to open schools for your currently enrolled students. Um, while families are placed in the hotel. And that's what we've done. And at this point, all of our students who are returning from Franklin, who were with us last year, or who moved over the summer have entered school and have begun school, as we've talked about. And now our focus is making sure that we transition all new students, whether they are coming from um, migrant housing or have just recently moved. We, are, we, would, we treat all students the same, regardless of their circumstances or backgrounds. So I'll pause there for any questions. Actually, I have one more update, and then okay. The the last piece is is around lifelong learning, and I had a conversation with our middle school principals today. More information will be shared later this week around the idea of clubs and activities and how that will look and how that will be structured. Just to remind folks, in the spring of 2023, the middle school club offerings and the late bus were eliminated in the FY24 budget, and as a result, the extracurricular and after-school offerings would need to be run differently. So through lifelong learning. There were a few pieces that remained. One, ski club. Folks who've been a part of ski club would know that it's still running through lifelong learning. A world of difference, the peer leaders program that we offer meets during, um, it will meet during flex period during the day and will be uh, continue to roll at our middle schools. I'm sorry, we'll continue to run at our middle schools. Unified basketball in partnership with the spe Special Olympics and the FHS Unified Sports Program will be offered, uh, continue to be offered, takes place during the basketball season, roughly a little bit after the basketball season starts, so it's the winter. And um, as I said, we, uh, and, and jazz club offered um, for those folks that are in the music program enrolled through lifelong learning. So lifelong learning this year has, um, is organizing some of these efforts. Um, more information is still unfolding over the next few days. And we hope that, uh, well, I, folks can anticipate that an email with more information will come in the coming days as some other decisions are verified. But that's the information that I had that I felt like we've nailed down to share with the folks and recognize that middle school clubs are an important part of our 
community and an important part of our after-school life for students. And unfortunately, we're in the position where they um, were eliminated in the spring, um, but that's not something that we hope will be a permanent measure. But at this point, that's how we've had to structure the after-school clubs or activities for students, which is through Life Learning. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jr. Anyone questions, comments? Dave? Thank you very much. Um, I want to start actually just with the, the staffing update. Uh, thanks for, especially this breakdown too. This was really easy and helpful to kind of to read, to kind of suss out all the information. Um, and kudos uh, to your entire team. You know, because I know we're looking over here, you know, August 8th, there was 45 uh, vacancies. Um, you know, not only kind of are where we are today, but also where we were, you know, like I think summer of 2022, if I'm not mistaken, it was the vacancies were upwards of, I think it was like 117 was the highest number I remember uh, seeing. So the fact that, you know, from one year to the next, you're able to, to drop the peak that dramatically is fantastic. So thank you. Uh, I know actually it kind of comes up in the, the district improvement plans. I got a couple of notes about that, but really thank you very much for how this is presented. The more so uh, all the work that went behind those, those numbers that we're seeing. Um, and also thanks for the update in terms of lifelong learning in the, the middle school clubs. Um, I know that you know we, we spoke, and you know for everybody you know in the community, uh, you know uh, who was a part of this since last spring during the budget season. There was so many conversations about all the cuts that had to be made because Franklin just can't afford to provide these these services based on you know, Councilor Frangelo always talks about that the pot is only being so big. Um, but I, I really appreciate the recap because I think to kind of have some of those conversations, you know, six months ago, uh, and to, to start to hear stories that you know we're going to be canceling middle school clubs or limiting middle school clubs because we just the money isn't there, is uh, is different and hits differently when all of a sudden you know your your middle schooler is coming home right. and you're having those conversations at the, the dining room table that their favorite club that they were in last year suddenly just doesn't exist uh, anymore. And so I appreciate the work that's that's going into to try to salvage some of that stuff. You know, I certainly wish we were in a position where Franklin could afford and to continue to provide all those those services. But I really appreciate uh, the work that's going into to do the best that we can with uh, the, the money that we have. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, so two, two questions. Um, one regarding the ESPs, another where we do have that gap of 11 ESPs across the board. Like, how are we balancing the needs profit? Well, for, I can give one example if you're okay with me sharing. <laughs> Mrs. Morano uh, served as an ESP today in one of our uh, classrooms to try to help, um, to, to just help the, the students that were in one of the programs. That's not a long-term solution. It was also uh, compared with a variety, there was a couple of factors that were at play in that situation, but um, certainly uh, balancing the role but trying to provide direct support uh, as we move forward to make sure students are, are supported is one piece. Um, Paul, I'll let you chime in as well. Yeah, we're, we're doing the best we can, um, trying to just, you know, distribute staff um, the best way possible um, and making sure that kids are supported in their classes. So um, we continue to hire, we continue to post, we continue to recruit, um, but we'll get there. So. Thank you. 
We're yeah. managing. Yes. Yeah, I actually saw you this morning as I dropped off my son. Yes. I was yeah. like, oh, geez, so. It's yep, I had my sneakers on yes. yesterday. Tonight. But that's okay. It's good. It's a different different type job. No, so. it's, it's, it's great to see that administration is rolling up their sleeves, coming in and helping out where, where need be, and, and really, you know, trying to alleviate some of the stress for those out there that are um, dressing the kids. So, so thank you for that. Um, my second question was regarding the, the migrant housing. I know you mentioned though, that there are 25 school age children. Are we able to say in terms of what levels that these children are in, or is that so? I, I can say that it's uh, across levels. It's distributed, it's distributed across levels, so. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep, no problem. Thank you for this update. It's great to hear that now the beginning of the 23-24 school year has been you know, going off um, smoothly, and it's excellent to hear about um, the positions that have been hiring, no, no open teaching positions, so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one of the So thank you very much for the hard work you and the entire administrative team has been, been doing. Um, and also thank you for um, the update in regards to the uh, migrant students and families and information for us to have. And um, it's very heartening to hear that you know, we want to provide the best possible educational experience for these students as well. It's, it's, for as long as these families are here in Franklin, they're our guests and they're our neighbors, and, and we want to make sure that they that their stay here in Franklin is as best as possible. And it looks like the uh, English's second language learning positions we've been investing in over the past few years will certainly be an asset um, in this instance. So it's good to know that we've been forward thinking in regards to the positions that we've been hiring over the past few years and truly an investment in Franklin schools. So thank you. Um, welcome to a new school year. It's very exciting. I think for yeah, for all for those of us that work in education, this is like our new year. It's all like see you next year, September next year. Um, so it's like a good a good feeling when you're prepping and planning and prepping and planning, and then it's like execution. Um, I also had a couple questions on the staffing update. I guess about you know I feel like the assistant principal for student services at Keller is um, very straightforward and um, need it so people could tell their friends. Um, question about the interventionist or the ESP. So I know sometimes those jobs aren't like full day, five days a week, you know, so like sometimes people, you know, who might have kids in the schools um, might want to work like, or be able to work, you know, maybe nine to one thirty or something, but they just can't work a full day. So are any of those positions sort of like, You'd rather have somebody for a little less time than nobody. And we've done that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I do think like there's if if there's any flexibility, mm -hmm. um, just to encourage anybody who who it might have kids in the schools or uh, be recently retired or just just looking for something. Um, and maybe I think a year ago I encouraged somebody and they're like, but I can't work full time. And I was like, then tell them you can't work full time. Right. Just, and if just they the, say no, they say no. Yeah, just say that. Yeah. So now she she comes back. She's like, I'm working Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> it's perfect. And so I I just think that like um, you know having good people working with kids is important. And so if if the school is able to be flexible and somebody's able to have a couple hours. Um, Couple days a week uh, to work in our schools, that would be great. Thank um, you yes. Um, and also about middle school clubs, thanks for bringing it up, Mr. Callahan. Um, I'm just so disappointed, so disappointed. I'm not going to get too far into it because as a school committee member, I understand. Um, I understand. And as a parent, I'm just so salty because I feel like 
we always heard about these amazing clubs at the middle school. Just wait till you get to middle school. There's like hundreds of clubs and it's so great. And then it was COVID when my kid got to middle school. So there was no clubs, there was virtual. And then, you know, so um, it's hard. This is, this is hard. And I think it's hard for a lot of parents. We're hearing a lot um, behind the scenes. And, you know, a lot of families can't you know, go to FSPA right. or these private um, places for clubs or don't have rides or whatever it is. And I think um, it's just so disappointing. I think lifelong learning, um, I, was, I wasn't psyched to see their offerings for middle school. I don't think they have a big variety. Um, so I, I understand the position. I know it's not intentional. Um, I know it's like we're between a rock and a hard place, and we've been talking about this for years, many, many years. Like, at a certain point, we're going to start feeling it. Like, we're going to start feeling the cuts. Our kids are going to be feeling the cuts, the families, you know? So now we talk about a mental health crisis and the middle school kids. Oh, well, then they'll just be home on screens instead of at a chess club or, a, you know what I mean, intramural sports or whatever it is. And so um, I will get off the soapbox, but I do think that if, if, if they're ever like creative problem solvers or you know we can partner with a Y or lifelong learning you know I'm sure they have you know hiring um, obstacles too it's, it's a tough it's we're all in a tough spot and um, I just think it's uh, a good reminder um, however you know families are feeling it however kids are feeling it that the Franklin public schools need to be better funded to be able to continue to provide the education that we expect and be able to support our kids' um, social emotional well-being um, moving forward. Right. Um, thank you for the report, and uh, I'm you know, glad to hear that we're able to help the minor families out. And um, I guess that's all I have to say. All right, for our guest presentations, we are excited to welcome some new administrators who have joined us this evening. And what I have asked is we will announce and, and introduce you to our new admin. We'll have them stand and be greeted, and then uh, if you have questions or anything that you'd like to ask, they'll be here. But ultimately, what we wanted to do, our focus was to put a face with the name to see who's in what role. And we do this every year, and it's a, it's an exciting exciting opportunity for us. So we are very excited. I talked about that hiring process earlier. We do the same thing for these folks. So when we hire someone, it's basically a congratulations because they've had to go against folks to get these positions, and they work really hard to earn them. So um, without further ado, I will uh, let Mrs. Morano kick it off, and then we'll kind of kick around other people to introduce. When you are introduced, if you wouldn't mind just standing up and um, we'll go from there. All right, so I'd first like to introduce um, Andy Burnaby. He is our new principal at our Early Childhood Center. He comes to us from Marlboro, where he was the principal at the Early Childhood Center there for the last eight years. We are very excited to have him with us. He has hit the ground running and is some great activity going on at ECDC. So we can't wait for you to um, go and visit and see what's going on over there. So welcome. Next, we have Corey Cox. He is at Annie Sullivan Middle School as the assistant principal. Corey comes to us after serving as a decade as the assistant principal at North Attleboro Middle School. 
and now is serving in a role that I formerly had, which was an assistant principal in ASL Middle School, and we're really excited to have Corey. He's hit the ground running. He's used a lot of the same systems. You've heard me talk about systems before. It's nice when folks already have used them, and uh, we're excited to have Corey join our team, and he's been uh, working with Ms. Morrison, and they've formed a really good partnership at the school. So welcome, Corey. Thank you. I'm up, Sam Duffy Protentis, joining us from Match Community Day Charter. He was a lead teacher at that school and is now joining us at JFK. He's joining Dr. Conley as the assistant principal at JFK, where he's hit the ground running as well, transitioned. Been, when I walked through JFK, a lot of the teachers that I saw bumping up through the halls just complimenting um, his attitude and his ability to really make some quick connections with folks and show some real support and uh, we're excited to see Sam continue to grow in his role as the assistant principal over there. So welcome Sam. Jana uh, Vasconcelos Maladi is the assistant school business administrator. She comes to us from Framingham Public Schools. She was in the finance department there and was a jack of all trades. There wasn't much she couldn't do and uh, I spoke to her boss before she left, and he had asked me not to take her. And, uh, <laughs> I apologized and said, looking out for ourselves here, but thank you. Uh, so we're glad that she's here. Next, we have some congratulations, some familiar faces, and some new roles. I'm excited to welcome Ms. Carrie View Savage, who is the principal at Calico Elementary. Carrie served as a literacy specialist and a teacher, and she's taught at Davis there, and she taught at Keller, um, which, as anyone knows, makes her a really, really strong candidate with some deep roots with the staff at uh, Keller, and uh, was highly, highly supported by the staff when we went through to do some visioning and whatnot um, with the school and what they were looking for in the next principal. So we are excited to welcome Carrie to our team. Just keep going. All right, we, next we have Mr. Evan Chelman, who is the principal at Parmenter Elementary School. Evan is joining us at, uh, from principal at Attleboro, in Attleboro at one of their elementary schools and comes to us. Um, also, Evan served as an elementary teacher in Franklin Public Schools at Jefferson Elementary, third grade or? Third grade, yeah. Okay, uh, as a third grade teacher prior to his, his work as an assistant principal and principal, and we're excited to welcome Evan back and welcome you back to, to Franklin. Thank you. Next, we have Mr. Michael Walsh, who is the assistant principal at Franklin High School. Mr. Walsh has worked, and I'm going off of memory here, he worked at Remington at one point in your career, and then at Franklin High School. He's been serving in Franklin for over 27 years and joins us as an assistant principal, joining our team at the high school. And I know uh, another example of walking the halls and hearing a lot of staff support around Mr. Walsh in this particular role has made some strong connections with faculty, staff, and families uh, in a variety of ways, and we're excited to welcome Michael to uh, our administrative team. And uh, not with us today, but uh, have already transitioned uh, Chris Jeffers, who was the interim uh, assistant principal at Horace Mann and became the uh, assistant principal through our interview process. Chris was there, uh, and also uh, Eric Stark, who was already presented to you, but we put him on the list just to uh, recognize the folks that are in new roles for this particular school year. Uh, he is serving as our pre-K to 12 STEM director. And um, yeah, we just would like to, to welcome all of you, and I just want to start with a clap and say yeah. congratulations.
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's what, that's what I, that's good. Um, could we go to line D? Just, uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, welcome, uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, uh, thank you for your, your support, your uh, caring for children, and I'm uh, glad that you're here. But, yeah, thank you for your willingness to serve uh, public schools. And if you're working with Franklin, I'll continue your roles. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to all working. Thank you. Like, welcome, time six. Um, <laughs> but in all you know, honesty, I, I always, we talk about this behind the scenes too. It's always good to get fresh eyes in new positions. It's always good to get perspectives, to get people who've been in other places and they bring it into the conversation. And the, the life experience is just so invaluable, and we're so glad to have you on here. Yeah, um, thanks for being here. Ditto, welcome. No, go home, it's late. <laughs> get some ice cream or whatever you guys like, and get out of here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You gotta get up in like four hours. <laughs> I'm gonna crack this door. He's opening the door because it's like you can't leave. I learned over time. So uh, before you tonight is our district improvement plan. Uh, we will be co-presenting. Dr. Rogers and Mrs. Morano will each take vote, uh, pieces of it and we'll uh, certainly welcome any questions or comments you have. Uh, as we kick off, just wanted to share, is this the right computer? No, this one, okay. Our portrait of a graduate, our collective responsibility. So when we share out on, on goals and what we hope to the direction tonight on what where we intend to go for the school year and then you hear our school improvement plans which have the, the actionable steps that will be taken to meet these goals it's all in concert to try to um, make sure that we have kids who are graduating from Franklin High School after uh, a full comprehensive education with, some, with these particular skills okay so just strategic planning process uh, you may recall May we were we were in the thick of budget development. I think in order to put together uh, a sound plan for what we hope to achieve, we needed to make sure we knew what team we were fielding and kind of where we we're at in establishing our budget. Um, and that played a huge role, and that took a lot of time, and it was time that um, we needed to engage in and was well spent. It certainly set us up for, and I've mentioned this before, our uh, our timeline of starting our planning. I mentioned this um, the day after school gets out we have our pre-treat. And this year, we uh, improved it a bit and added to it. I already reported out on that over the summer at one of our school committee meetings, but spent some time just saying, hey, how did, how did last year go? What have we learned? Where do we need to go? What information do we have from faculty, staff, families that we've collectively gathered, and, and what can we do to move forward? 
we moved through the summer setting some intention around particular tasks and targets that we tried to meet. We had folks meet on a variety of areas. And I know that Mrs. Morano and Dr. Rogers will speak a little bit to that as we go through the presentation. But ultimately, we had folks, different admin groupings, come together to move some work forward throughout the summer, knowing that everyone's on a variety of schedules over the summer. Then we held our administrative retreat, which I did share out at a previous meeting as well. But that was when we really came together to coalesce on where were we going to land on our particular goals and plans for the year. And here we are, we're in September. We're here to present the district improvement plan, but also set the stage for the future meetings around school improvement plans, which are level-based as they were last year. So continuing our work, uh, you'll notice in the school improvement plan, and this, this slide, or a very similar one, was shared with faculty on the Welcome Back to School page and uh, received some, some positive feedback around wanting to continue the initiatives we started. Um, I read a book this summer and shared it with the administrative team called The Power of, uh, not The Power of Focus. I might, be, I might be mixing Eckhart Tolle with Mike Schmoker, but it's an educational book on focus. And ultimately talks about, with initiatives, you know, if you're planning to move work in a, in a, in a, in a serious way, you need to commit to what you've started and see it through. And one of the things that we really try to do is commit to some of those goal areas that we focused on last year and continuing to do that. A lot of times, um, some, sometimes you'll find yourself in an organization or a district where you arrive at a decision and you set course. And the minute you set course and get approval, now you're thinking about the next thing and how you move. And one of the things that we've uh, committed to our staff is not trying to add new initiatives, but stick to deepening and continuing the work that we began last year. Incorporating more feedback, improving our systems, which is something you're going to hear me say until I retire. It's just improving systems. It can, always be, it can always be done. We did a lot of work to align levels and create some shared practices among schools, but we also recognize the need for individual autonomy. Um, I, we just introduced some new principals that need to get to know their staff. And it's important that they have an opportunity to set some, some goals within their communities that, uh, that work for them and meet needs that maybe aren't shared across schools. So I think we try to honor all that work as we move forward. The purpose of tonight is really about, it's directional. We're setting direction as a district improvement plan, uh, with the district improvement plan, but it's important to know that the level-based presentations next week get into the goals and actionable steps and outcomes because they vary by level, but they all will point back to what we share tonight. Does that make sense? Just as to be clear about the goal of a district, you can't possibly hit every actionable step for an elementary, middle, and high in a district plan, but that's what we charge our principals with, and that's why um, it's, it just works in concert with that big umbrella and diving deeper as we move into the September 26th meeting when we intend to have our levels come in and do some, some good presentations. Just before I uh, pass the mic, it's important the vision, core values, and theory of action that are listed within your document. Um, all schools have these. Our vision is our portrait of a graduate, the slide that I already showed. It's not a separate thing. And I know sometimes this can become words on a page, and we're really cognizant of that and try not to try not to do that. But our vision is our aspiration for kids is the portrait of a graduate and those skills that I showed in the first slide. As we talk about the core values, those are the principles that really guide our decision making. We, are we really looking out for the social emotional development of kids? We're trying to create safe and inclusive environments and setting high expectations. 
And these are all areas where we need to continue to set goals and try to attain because you can always uh, do better in those areas. And theory of action is the beliefs we hold and how we'll get there. So basically to orient you to the, the district improvement plan that you have in, in your packet, the strategic objectives have not changed. We continue to support social emotional learning students and staff, looking at our uh, engaging rigorous curriculum as a goal area or objective, high quality instructional materials to meet the SEL needs of our kids, communication, and affirming diversity, equity, and inclusion for all students. And with that, there are some initiatives. The light blue box boxes are the initiatives that are tied directly to the school improvement plans, which have the actionable steps and goals. So we're just trying to break this down for, for I know that as a school committee, you've seen this, this model before, so this isn't new, but I'm just trying to talk it through so we're all on the same page. But ultimately, phasing our implementation, one thing I've mentioned before is you can't wrap up necessarily in one school year that you set this goal and it's done. But we need to be thinking about things more long term and how do we phase implementation and do things and build out a strategy that allows us to report on that, show outcomes, show ways in which we're measuring our progress and build that out. And it's been, it's been a task to try to make sure we're pointing in the right direction um, and it's taking time. So um, I'm gonna transition slides in one second, but these are the main areas in which um, I'm gonna share the mic with Tina and Paula to report out on, and then we'll open it up for questions. Okay, so strategic objective number one is the social and emotional well-being of students and staff. Um, our initiatives remain the same as Lucas alluded to, they're the phased implementation of the tier systems for screening, monitoring, and communicating progress towards the SEL competencies, as well as 1B, where we're going to look at tracking and responding, communicating student behaviors. So what are we gonna do, what are the outcomes that we expect for FY24? Um, we're gonna continue to enhance our six to 12 advisory programs. So we went through year one last year. We collected feedback from students and staff. We are continuing our advisory committees, both at the middle and high school levels, where we'll continue to enhance that, that program. We're going to continue to have a coherent system for the screening and the monitoring of um, student social emotional supports and progress. So we have a screening um, timeline of what screenings are going to happen for social emotional. At the element at the ECDC, we're going to continue with EDECA. At the elementary level, we'll continue with DESA twice a year. Um, and then at the secondary level this year, we're going to do the Metro West in grades seven and 12. We're up for that as well as the Science of Suicide in grades seven and nine, and the ESPER in grades eight to 10. This year, we're also going to implement the Panorama student surveys as well, the SEL surveys, and that will be in grades three through 12. Um, we reviewed our um, codes of conduct and our discipline matrixes over the you know, last year. We kind of reflected on them and how things went. So we're gonna continue to tier those responses and interventions aligning with the code of conduct. Um, we're going to continue to um, boost and up our restorative practices as well as educate and, and learn our restorative practices, kind of develop a toolkit and a, um, that all elementary principals and secondary principals can kind of pull out of and counselors. We're going to try to build up a toolkit for um, some restorative practices when they're, it's um, needed. And then we're, we're going to continue to work with the Panorama and work on tracking student behavior and attendance trends um, with Panorama. 
Um, you know, I, it was a slow implementation process and we're gonna continue that process with our admin team. We are working with Panorama now to do some more professional development with our admin team, as well as some consultative, some direct consultative work with smaller groups um, to really try to um, dive in and improve our practices. Okay, so leading into objective two, setting the direction for engaging in rigorous curriculum. The focus here really is how do we ensure that all students have access to high quality research-based curriculum. And so we are continuing our work to develop and refine guaranteed viable curriculum resource materials. So at the high school, they're working through um, articulating that in some publishable documents by the end of the school year. Um, at the middle school, that, that looks like um, a continuation of open science implementation, of some literacy initiatives, of civics work. Uh, at the elementary school, that looks like the implementation of our new literacy um, curriculum that we uh, use some capital funds to purchase, uh, in addition to continuing our commitment to the illustrative math program and the SD math program and things, like, and things of those nature to continue that investment. Um, and then strategic initiative two is, again, that imp continuous implementation of a pre-K to 12 literacy action plan. You might recall last school year, there was a committee, I think of 30 some odd teachers, um, representative of all grade levels, special education, um, ESL teachers, a really diverse representative group that developed a multi-year, multi-phase literacy implementation plan, because as Mr. Gary alluded to, you can't do it in one year. Um, so what is it that we are working through this year? And so as outcomes related to those, um, we will be more clearly defining and establishing a process for reviewing and develop, developing curriculum and structure. So what does that phased implementation plan look like over the course of time? So it's a predictable kind of cycle of sorts. And then um, continuing, again, to strengthen the structures for literacy implementation as, again, just that commitment to our capital purchase and ensuring that teachers and students and families are supported in that implementation. So, for the mm -hmm. third. so connected, directly I think connected to um, strategic initiatives one and two is our high quality instruction to meet the academic and SEL needs of each learner. And really here we are continuing to delve into building our shared capacity as it's related to universally designed practices. So we are not purchasing curriculum that is not universally designed and culturally responsive. We are not investing in, in software and systems that are not universally designed to meet the needs of students. And so when we say we're universally designing our practice, practices, what does that mean and what does that look like? So we're really, um, as one of our outcomes, in developing a 2023-24 professional development plan, we've worked um, with administrators throughout the, throughout the course of the summer. We've collected a plethora of input and feedback from educators throughout the district. We'll be launching our PD committee, which is a joint collaborative committee with the FEA to really bring people together to start collaboratively planning our professional learning experiences and having that through line that connects to our district improvement goals, to our school improvement goals, um, and really kind of coming together as a district around those practices. And then again, as Ms. Um, Morano alluded to in Strategic Initiative 1, we're continuing again with that phase implementation of tiered supports, supports as it relates to the academics 
um, side of things. Um, Ms. Morano spoke to the SEL portion, and, and we are also using Panorama for this. We just didn't delineate that specifically here. We were working to assess tiered structures within our systems, and how can we utilize Panorama to help support the way we analyze data, the way we best support the needs of students um, throughout the course of their school year. Strategic objective four, effective two-way communication to support student learning. Two areas, one, um, as you're aware, through your uh, subcommittee, we are going to conduct a comprehensive school facilities assessment. Um, that's a continuation of the work that began uh, last year with some decisions made in the spring from the school committee to move forward and look at that. So that's one big, that's uh, a big piece of this particular goal. The second piece is around strengthening our community partnerships. There's a variety of partnerships that we have out there and we're looking to, to what we've realized and learned is, you know, we need uh, all the help we can get. And if there are folks out there that are willing to, to engage with us and work with us, whether it's um, the SAFE Coalition or if it's working with Dean College in some capacity or um, a variety of community-based groups that are willing to support the work and the mission of Brentwood Public Schools, we're interested to do so. And um, we will be reporting back out on that goal and hope to have some commitments um, from folks and, and to work in concert to really help our students in, in a variety of different ways. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention, and this was human resources is under this as, a, as one of the outcomes. Um, our human resources director, uh, who you met, uh, Ken Strolazzi, is doing some work on trying to modernize some of our processes um, around not just onboarding, hiring, onboarding, um, recruiting, and in an effort to try to just improve our systems that we have in that department. So at some point, I imagine an update on how that's going. But certainly, um, he's looking into um, a variety of different options, tools, platforms, and not just things that you purchase, but ways in which we can continue to, to organize our information out of that, uh, of that office. So um, I wanted to include that in there as part of it. Um, and certainly, our wraparound services and support, we put that under communication because it is a communication and a community effort to try to really, um, work with our social workers, social workers outside of the school system, and um, a good example is working as we are uh, to support our students that will be welcoming into the district um, as a result of the, the um, migrant housing. So, okay. And our last objective here is the strategic objective five, which is affirming diversity, equity, inclusion for all students. And what I would say here is we, we particularly want to call out the, our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also um, note that this is kind of a through line through all of our strategic initiatives in that we are working to provide equitable access for students. We're working to provide inclusive um, school settings where all students are honored and valued for what they bring. Um, so here specifically, we are calling attention to continuing level-based support for students and staff. Uh, that fosters a culture of inclusion and belonging. So we will be continuing our work with ADL and peer leaders by way of example. These will be reported out in school improvement plans as well. Um, and um, continuation with our DEI committee that has done a, a great deal of work over the course of, of, of the past few years. And I will be um, joining our DEI coordinator in this effort throughout the year. Um, there will also be uh, opportunities to partner with families in the community to continue to support this inclusive um, environment that we're fostering in the Franklin Public Schools. And a few examples are, are various um, deep dives 
series that we will conduct throughout the course of the year, some level-based or in school-based coffee opportunities to engage families within, within the school communities um, are just kind of a few examples. And then as we work through the year, we'll be working to continue the development of our equity action plan um, for the course of the year. And as far as next steps, just to reiterate, our plan is to present this high level, this picture of the district improvement plan, and it sets the context for next meeting where we um, will start to dive into the level-based goals and actionable steps related to these. And uh, we're, we're happy to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, Dave? Thank you. Uh, let's see, uh, right out of the gate, I love, um, we had the, the circles uh, talking about just aligning the levels but retaining that school identity I think is is incredibly valuable so you know every student you know no matter where they're living in Franklin's when you read education but you still get that that personalized um, you know I, I still remember when when I you know was in elementary school and you know obviously I was the best one and uh, the ones across town they were uh, you know there was, there was some rivalries but it was it was great and I love that we kind of retained that um, one thing, uh, data came up a couple of times. I'm just curious, I know, uh, I believe uh, from in the past, the DLIs were the ones that were kind of responsible for just uh, taking a look at some of the new programs and just making sure that the proper safeguards were in play. Um, given that the DLIs, because of uh, pointing back to the budget uh, hearings and the budget cuts that need to be made, because those, uh, that kind of particular group got restructured. Are they still out there kind of like safeguarding and taking a look at a lot of the data and a lot of the programs that we're implementing? It's a great question. So th this is a limitation to the position. The DLI positions were in essence eliminated except for a portion, a percentage, a point two percentage um, to get the prioritized some of the work. The prioritized work is still being discussed and what we plan to do is prioritize obviously safety in looking at this, but the volume in which we're able to do things and the, and the frequency in which we're able to add new programs, look at them, troubleshoot um, is certainly something that without those, we, we built some really good processes for how to recommend and, and to look at particular sites and look at that. We will always adhere to the, the legality of student privacy and protecting it, but what that means is if you can't confirm it, then it's a no <laughs> until we figure out that we can, right? So that, that's one impact. I will say that the, are, are you specifically asking a question around just programs? Because we plan to use the existing programs that we are using, is that what you mean? It was more, or, honestly, just kind of, uh, you know, uh, Paul, when you were talking about some of those, those data ones, it was just kind of a quick connection that okay. all of a sudden it just popped into my head. I'm seeing this for the first time this year again, now knowing that because of the cuts. That I understand. I'll, I'll start, Paul, if you want to chime in, but uh, DECA, DESA, Panorama have all been vetted, verified, and uh, adhered to the student data privacy agreements. Those are the ones that we were referencing tonight. I, I was thinking you meant if there were new tools, but one thing we've learned is we're trying to not add, from our perspective, try to add new tools that teachers are expected to use and commit to the goals in which we have. Um, the goals that we're putting forth today, we're trying to build off of the resources that we have available and not just say goals to you that then aren't supported or require um, like a new purchase or something like that. Regarding. And, and then, so then, just to 
sure I kind of understand. And, and again, I know this isn't quite with, with dips, but uh, because the, the DLIs previously they were kind of mm -hmm. looking into all that because of the budget cuts, they're just yeah. able they're not able to do so at the same level that they were last year and the year before. Correct. Um, thank you for that. I appreciate sure. that. Um, one of the other ones, uh, something else I wanted to kind of ask about or talk about, it was under like that, the well-being umbrella. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that the goal, it really is, the first goal is to help students develop connections to schools. You know, as uh, you know, my colleague, Ms. Stokes, was talking about in terms of the middle school clubs and the cuts, uh, how that impacts the, the students' well-being, I, I personally kind of see like those those cuts, and this isn't an indictment of sure. your staff. This is just that Franklin can't afford to provide these services right now. Um, how do you see the fact of Franklin not being able to afford things like middle school clubs? Kind of providing a challenge. Like I would see that as a challenge. I would see that it's, as an obstacle. It's a challenge. You know, it's also a goal area. Is how do we troubleshoot and prioritize to try to do what we can to restore services that we've provided to, to students in the past. And I'm on the same racetrack as a few folks around. I had a middle schooler in during COVID go through middle school during COVID and didn't really have that after school life. And now I have a current middle schooler who's um, living the impact of a decision like this as well. So I say this as a, I'll, I'll speak as a superintendent, but I just want to acknowledge that as like a human um, about the impacts of the dinner table, for example. Uh, it's not a decision we take lightly. Have we seen, I think the result of COVID is we saw um, a, decrease, a decrease at middle school level in people doing clubs and activities. Not a reason to cut a club, but when a bus costs 30,000, I don't even know how much to believe it was what we said last year, I think yeah, it was. Right, the after school club uh, bus at 30,000. And when you're looking at you know, your classroom teachers and the class sizes, with a lower subscription um, and looking at the, the clubs, it was, it was a really tough decision. And that's kind of how it, it worked out. Um, and it's not something that we we tried to move to, to partner with Lifelong Learning to offer something to keep some continuity. The piece two people brought up, if you remove a bus but you keep a club, you now create an equity issue around students who um, can't um, be there. Um, so I think there, there were a lot of pieces at play Resulting, and the other thing was that was not budget related, but the system we had in place when the buses would do the runs and pick up, it would be um, after 3:30, sometimes 3:40, um, before a bus would pick up, or the club ended at 3 to 3:05. So all of those things combined led to um, some difficult decisions. What I just shared was what we already spoke about publicly um, at a few meetings during the budget hearings and whatnot. But um, it's a point well taken, and I certainly. Um, empathize with families and I know I'm in a uh, position to recommend and, and make decisions but certainly um, if that stayed something else would be gone mm -hmm. and we might be talking about that particular item tonight too. Um, I agree you know and, and you know thank you very much for elaborating on that as well. All these district improvement plans are, are fantastic and uh, honestly it's, it's just a shame uh, that you have the even more challenge to kind of provide these, you know, connections uh, you know, to each school for the students, and, yeah. uh, and and all these additional challenges just to kind of maintain their own well-being, just because we can't afford to provide some of these services. Um, 
the soap got on the, off the soapbox, I, I jump right back on, but I'll step off now. Thank you. Uh, so one uh, thing. My question is really around the phase implementation. Um, I know it's 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 wise the way we're doing it. So you know, it's not going to be built in a day. It's going to take some time, multiple years. Um, where do you see us now compared to what we envisioned initially? How far or close are we to that roadmap, and, and, and how much do we have to like kind of adjust? I don't want to steal the mic. I could keep going, but I would prefer to have other people. With well, I think as we think of it related to Strategic Initiative 1 and its connection with 3, uh, with our phased implementation of Panorama specifically, I think that's where we used um, that word. Um, it's a, that tool is supporting a real systematic initiative that is um, providing us with a lot more information but in order to be able to utilize that information in a, in a productive way, uh, we, we need to not only understand the system that that software tool kind of provides us, but also what we, the systems we have in place, like those day-to-day -day meetings that are happening at the different schools and trying to um, create alignment throughout levels so that we're using it in a, in, a, um, in a strategic way, that everybody's using it in the same way and saying the same thing and using the data in a similar way. So, I would say that last year we um, did a really great job um, acclimating to the system. Our um, administrative level-based administrative teams received multiple professional development sessions with the particular vendor um, where they're now going in and using the system. We now have a focus group that is launching next month of group of administrators and their level-based and their um, school-based teams who are working to set goals that we will work through over the course of this year and then into the next year. Um, so I would say we'd be more, we'll have more alignment there as we work through the year. I just created a new slide. <laughs> Basically, when we set out to say we're going to implement Panorama, um, what, what we learned was we're implementing so we do, we do, so we have to build the background. We have to say we're academic, we're assessing kids beyond just MCAS and using an assessment tool that looks at their academic skill development map, right? We do some work there to kind of understand where they're at. Separate system. We then have MCAS data, which we can pull. We have DESA, which is uh, an example, but in input and panorama, right? Any type of social emotional learning, kind of a, a screener, right, to assess. Aspen attendance, things like that, um, all are happening independently. And with Panorama, the amount of time it's taken to say, let's do this right and not just rush it for the sake of reporting that we're doing something, but let's get all these to talk before. A teacher has to touch this thing. Can we just please pump the brakes, do a phased implementation, make sure that we're actually using these effectively because good data in is good data out. But if it's not talking or being, and we thought, let's just slow down and have some admin working on this, get the training, so that when this tool is able to be used, it's a tool that's useful and allows us to look at data and look at kids across a spectrum. So if you know, uh, a kid is out there, great attendance, high academic achievement, maybe some behavioral issues, right? maybe screened for SEL in a positive way or, or a way that maybe we need to have some focus areas, have it all pull, and then let's have some real clear 
conversations and actionable steps which Panorama has in it to make sure that we're supporting the needs of kids and we have a way to monitor that and lock in. So when we say phased implementation, uh, and I don't want to get ahead of like other folks who might present to you, but the idea of to say you're, do, you're doing Panorama, it's just it turns out there's a lot more involved with trying to do this and get all this to talk and do it well. And then if that's not even including the human element of making sure that teens know how to use it and then we have a plan or a process for how we're going to utilize the data and what are we going to do with it. How do we bring families in and students in a productive way? Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's easy to like say concept like, hey, yeah, this is it's easy to do. We'll get it done. And then it's when you start to really peel the layers of the onion. Sure. Like, there's so much more to it. So um, I applaud that the way you're you're approaching this and just really being thoughtful around it. Um, so look look forward to hear more as we progress. Thank you very much um, for this update. It's excellent to know just the strategic vision that we have. Um, and the, um, and the initiatives and goals that we have um, based on last year and the vision and how those inform the vision for the future. And it's great to see this continuity um, as we enter into the new school year. And kind of um, in, in line with that, the, the continuity. So you, you, kind of, you touched upon this all throughout um, the presentation. But yeah, we're seeing like a lot of the, um, a lot of the like, different phrases that um, we've had discussions over the past few months with multi-tiered systems of support and UDL, and literacy plan, and um, data and panorama. Um, so um, now that we're at the beginning of a new school year, um, would you mind just maybe highlighting again how, like, what everything we did last year, how that brought us to where we are now, mm -hmm. and how that sets us up for progress in the future? I, I put the slide up that had the light blue um, boxes to show each of these areas has evolved in some capacity from a district perspective. We also don't want to steal the thunder of the level-based presentations because they'll actually speak to, for example, the advisory. It says enhanced, right? Um, when we look at like an outcome, middle and high school have some clearer actionable steps that they'll take that you'll see that you'll be able to review related to the detail work of it. Um, but Basically, literacy, for example, implementing literacy was all based on the conversations we had last year that Dr. Rogers already referenced. Um, looking at comprehensive facilities, it's a follow-up to the goal that was in there last, which was the redistricting analysis that's moved. On the left-hand side, Mrs. Morano talked about phased implementation. I think we just spoke a little bit to Panorama as one example of trying to build this out. So internally, we have documents that speak to each piece. Um, but ultimately, those are just a few examples. High uh, quality instructional materials. We've, we've rolled out illustrative math, right, at our elementary levels with ST math. What's the next stage of that particular work with that group? Open SIED at the, at the middle level. It's the next stage of how are we continuing implementation and trying to go deeper and make sure, um, like the cardinal rule of implementation is to set a goal, provide supports, right, and ensure that the goal that you set out to achieve that people have that down so that's why this stuff takes longer than a year it's not a performance and we're coming off of a, a very tough budget situation the one thing we realized was we're not looking to add new we have some really solid sound goals here and it made sense for us to stick to them so that 
this is not a performative act, but to say we're continuing with the work we started. And I think uh, I saw some relief when presenting to the, the full staff around when we talked about no new no new taxes, no no new goals. Uh, was trying to just stick to like how are we evolving what we committed to. I think just to elaborate, you know, we really looked for feedback from teach. We were, we were listening, like from, we were hearing it from teachers. We were hearing it from admin, like slow the roll. Like we, we, we can't just keep adding more and more to the plate. And there, that's what we speak to the social emotional well-being of our staff is really trying not to add too much more to well, in our admin, not add to the plate, but really, really focus on what we're doing and doing it well and doing it slowly. Thank you very much. Thank you for putting this together. I, um, you know, I validate the slow your roll <laughs> uh, mindset and think that it's it's better to um, do it do it well um, and do it right and do it thoughtfully than it is just to like rush through and check boxes and you know um, not have time to like dive in deeply. So I definitely, you know, I'm sort of comparing the last year's dip and this one and. Um, you know, it's like you're saying, deepening the work, those types of things. I think it's really important. Um, okay, so I just I just have two questions, I guess, or comments. Um, in the strategic objective number one, um, Paula, when you were presenting it, you talked about restorative practices, mm -hmm. which I don't see it here, but I feel like should be here somewhere. Oh, so. I feel like it should be you'll see summer, it. You'll see it in the sips. Okay. Okay. You will see it in the sips. And okay. uh, you know, we we start we started with a small bank, right? You know, we know you know mediation, we know circles, and all that sort of thing. But it doesn't always work. You don't have the staff. You don't have the time. You don't have the bot. You know, the space. Um, so we really talked about this summer, really trying to build upon those and, and developing those toolkits and making it easier for all of our counselors and admin to to pull resources when an incident happens and they want to do a restorative practice, you know, an just a, you know, maybe a lunch detention and, and start to do that educational piece and really build up um, those tools and resources. Yeah, I, I, like, we'll talk about it at our next meeting, I guess, when we see them, mm -hmm. but um, absolutely, like, support this um, and the, again like sort of revisiting it or like realizing that that you're not done like the work's never done right it's a practice for sure um and oh the uh, sorry my brain just like really took a nap in the last couple minutes i'm getting back i'm getting back into it i'm sorry um i think especially like considering the new admin administer yes administer <laughs> sorry um because i know when mr jagir was assistant superintendent he worked you know, for a full year with the mm -hmm. vice principals at that time, um, and they did so much work around restorative practices. And then that, now that was years ago, and there's been movement. And so I think, um, you know, for the people who yes. came on board last year and this year, it's like good to good to get them all absolutely them all in. Um, and then the strategic objective number three. My question there. So I think um, I think Tina, that's what you were presenting and. So down at the outcomes, I think you said something about, you know, Mrs. Morano talked about Panorama, but we're going to be looking at this one for strategic, strategic objective three also. Um, 
want to put that in there? Like, just because if you're doing it for that anyways, or is that maybe going to happen at the schools, or, or yeah. is it there? It's, it's, it's at the schools. It's in the sense. Yeah, it, that it'll be speaking to improving the data analysis processes. Yeah. Um, thanks for the presentation. And I just want to say I really appreciate our district's um, culture on you know, learning and improving and um, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. It's, it's always a pleasure to you know, uh, sit through these presentations and, and see how we're doing things and looking for opportunities to improve. And listen to people. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, in, in recent years, we've had uh, teachers who were passionate about providing an educational experience for students to, to travel and learn at the same time and come before you and knock on wood, um, you have been supportive of those and I think our students have demonstrated their responsibility to attend these trips and do well. So before you tonight, uh, I'm inviting Mr. Chris Penza, who is a former DLI and history teacher at Franklin High School. And he is here to present uh, a trip opportunity, and I will be um, recommending and seeking your approval uh, for this request to take students to Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand on the trip. And at this time, I'd like to, and Mr. Walsh is going to join him, our assistant principal at Franklin High School, uh, former social studies teacher. Floor is yours. Okay, uh, so we are here to uh, formally ask, I guess, permission um, to move forward with our trip. Mm -hmm. That is planned for April 2, 2025. As you can see, the slide's a little incomplete. Um, so I'll took a new position. Um, so he is going to um, step down. However, um, Mr. Christopher Kelly, one of my colleagues, social studies teacher, 17-year veteran of Franklin High School, uh, will be taking his place. So he will be introduced. So if this plan gets approved, um, he will be my, my wingman. Mr. Walsh, I believe, will still be um, attending the trip as a chaperone, just not in, in a leader capacity with regards to his new position as an AP at the high school. Uh, I didn't want to speak for him, but uh, he was in the, in the, in the trip um, initially. It's nice that you still invited him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't get invited up. It's, no. it's amazing how popular I've become recently. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the first slide is, uh, do you want me to go through these slides? I mean, you've already looked through these slides. Do you have specific questions or do you want me to, like, I'm assuming I just you have... I wanted to give just like a highlight of like the, the trip itself, maybe okay. not so much into the EF, mm -hmm. because we've heard about them so many times from previous trips, but just about, you know, the... The cost of the trip. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we've used EF tours now at Franklin High School uh, exclusively for at least 10, 15 years probably going back even further. Uh, we've used them prior, uh, in 2014, we used them to go to China. Mm -hmm. Mr. Walsh, Mr. McCarthy headed a trip to China, it was very successful. And then we've used them for a lot of Eastern, or I should say a lot of uh, European 
or should I say Western Hemisphere trips. So we felt that it was important to kind of offer another opportunity uh, for kids to expose something that they probably would never do on their own and give them an opportunity to bring them to you know, Southeast Asia uh, and the Eastern Hemisphere, a completely different way of life, completely different access to certain things that would tie in with kind of the whole portrait of a graduate of a student. Um, we like EF tours because we feel they are the best with regards to the actual trip itself, the security of the trip, the insurance of the trip. So uh, we feel very comfortable with working with them. The tentative dates, obviously, uh, depended upon the superintendent's approval and, and the schedule. We would like to tie it into the April vacation. Um, we may be asking for uh, an extension of either a day before or a day after uh, for travel. It usually tends to be in a 10-day trip. Um, two days are pretty much just for travel. Um, so it includes travel insurance, airfare, transportation, hotels, um, mails, uh, guided sightseeing tours, entrance to all museums. So everything's kind of encompassed and included into it. Uh, they feed you, they give you breakfast and dinner. Students will be on their own for lunches and that's, that's in the presentation as well. Um, I wanted to include this in because ultimately it is for the students, it's a student voice. Student, these are actual, um, I picked kind of the big three. When you go on and look at these trips, this is one of the most highly uh, rated trips in EF. Um, and over and over and over again, these are students that went on these trips through EF with their schools and they just kept talking about experience of a lifetime, experience of a lifetime, and how impressed they were with um, the amenities, how, they, how impressed they were with the, the tour, the guidance, the structure, the safety. So uh, I did want to include that in. Uh, so here is our itinerary. It is um, technically, this is 11 days. Um, so we fly overnight to Vietnam. We spend those first days in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And we will go to, <laughs> did you get a copy? Yeah, okay. Oh yes, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, so we will, uh, the Mekong Delta, we'll go to the Vietnam uh, War Memorial. Uh, we'll spend days down in, into the villages and, and kind of getting to know Vietnam and uh, seeing the sights and sounds. We will then move to um, Cambodia where we will spend several days looking at all the ancient temples, Angkor Wat and uh, that again, that's in the presentation. And then we spend the last few days at Bangkok um, and experiencing the joys of, of Thailand. So that's pretty much how it moves from there. Uh, there is a link built within this as well um, that kind of gives you the more detail in the breakdown. And I, I include that in, so if this gets approved, all this information would be presented to the students on a more detailed um, day by day by day. Uh, so these are kind of what I would feel would be the big four. Uh, the Vietnam War Remnants Memorial, um, being a history teacher, so for students um, that receive Vietnam history and U.S. History too as juniors, this would be invaluable to them to experience and see Vietnam War from a Vietnamese perspective, go there and see the memorial. Uh, Angkor Wat, one of the most famous, um, uh, it's being uncovered, I don't know if you follow any of the LIDAR and stuff that's going on over there now. They're, they're, they're finding more and more. It's growing and growing and growing. They realize how much bigger this actually was than they thought. Uh, the jungle has just absorbed it and they're starting to clear away. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, the Mekong Delta in Vietnam and then the Grand Palace in Thailand and uh, the light shows that they do at night. So these are what I would consider the, the big four. Uh, this is the what's included. So these are all the things that are all part of it. One of the best parts of EF is they have boots on the ground. So their offices in Boston, we work with their EF tour advisors. We work one-on-one -on -one to build a 
specified trip for Franklin High School. Then when we get there, they have offices on the ground in these, in these locales. So they have uh, boots on the ground. They have 24 seven um, services. And they have um, guided tours, bilingual. So they, they basically own and operate this for you. We're in there, good and safe hands. Um, can you speak to? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the number one reason that I would only travel with EF is just because, just because of student safety. They have, you know, they have like uh, evacuation teams. If there was ever an incident, um, they've got medical care um, minutes away. Um, that that's, that's probably why everybody uses EF because they are. Just, you know, that's that's their strength. Uh, and last but not least, the pricing. Um, so. This is actually very comparable to, it's actually cheaper than a lot of the uh, European trips. Um, so the, the current pricing, this is what we got locked in as. It's, the total price is $4,629, and they can break that down to $239 a month over 20 month periods. They do a lot of great things where they set up, um, they set up a donation page. So every student, so when you create this trip, EF Tour creates a unique, login for each student going on the trip and it's almost like a GoFundMe if you will so students can use that so you know Grammy and Grampy if they want to get like graduation money uh, early birthday money whatever um, or they can just have private citizens donate to their page and help offset the cost we're also looking at exploring um, fundraising options reaching out to the local uh, businesses who have been very very good to Franklin High School um, different sports activities events uh, they're very generous so reaching out to them maybe as as days of you know your receipts, percentage of receipts go here. Um, candy's always a big seller. Uh, candy bars, chocolate candy bars. But anything we can do to kind of help alleviate that, um, the, the brunt of that and lower that cost for some of the students that might feel the, the financial burden on that, we certainly are willing to work um, with the administration to, to, to remediate the, the, the cost and get that as low as possible. Um, and I'll just add that, you know, to me, this, this, the reason this trip is, I think, um, something we think you should strongly consider is that it's got, you know, multiple curriculum connections. Um, world history students study um, the history of Vietnam, the imperial era, um, when it was colonized. Um, U.S. history, two students studied the Vietnam War. But as Mr. Panza said, just the, the different perspective. Um, and the fact that we've done a number of European um, and South American trips, I think um, that's great. And I think that though to be more uh, inclusive, I think you know a trip to Asia would be, um, you know, would really be eye-opening and, and fantastic opportunity for our students. So. Before I recommend to the date 2025. Mm -hmm. So it's not next April. It's a, right. it's a year from April. I'm sorry? Oh, I'm just reiterating that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, if there's, I'll make the recommendation and then I'll open it up. Okay. okay. I recommend approval of the request of Chris Penza and Chris Kelly to take FHS students to Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand in April 2025 as detailed. Is there a motion to approve the trip as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion questions, Dave? Um, uh, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, so in the document or in PowerPoint, you mentioned the 
educational opportunities with like college credits and college applications. Can you, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Thing? Yep. So these are offered through EF, and uh, and these are actual three credit accreditations, and it's, it's with additional coursework based off of the experiences that you do within these trips. So these ten days. You going to say something? Nope. That, that's. And these credits can actually be used towards um, colleges and universities will accept this. Is it um, specific colleges and universities, or will be like, is it, is it, uh, like any colleges? Like, I, you know, that's a good question. I could get an answer for you. I don't know if there's, are you, did you ask if there were some schools that would accept them and others that wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually I don't know, but I can I can get the answer for you okay. on that. I believe it falls in the same category as transfer credits and how each college reserves the right to accept credits or not from, um, from an ascending university or college. Um, what I would wonder is the, whichever college the credits are from, someone would have to do their research, like a parent would have to look into which colleges would accept it. That's going to have to work backwards, but yep. it's a great question. Great, thank you. Um, with this being a 2025 trip, I guess, who's eligible for this? Well, I'm assuming it would be kind of in line with the Greece trip that's coming up in, in 2024, so it would be kind of current high school students. Um, I think I think this is kind of a mature trip, I guess, in a sense of the exposure, the, the completely different culture, the new foods, the new right. So we're looking for, I guess, a more mature student. So it would probably be students that had had access to the world history curriculum with imperialism, and um, ideally upperclassmen who had the Vietnam curriculum at U.S. History too. So ideally, sophomores, uh, uh, juniors, and seniors. But I mean, uh, I'm I guess. I'm open to suggestions from Mr. Javier. Um, I'm sure he has concerns about that as well, and speaking with Mr. Hanner as well, um, the principal of Franklin High School. Um, and then I know the other groups usually have like a projected range of students they want to have for the, the trip. Uh, do we have a projection for this? Uh, based off the off of conversations with students that I've had, I teach U.S. History too. Um, and U.S. History One, so I have students that I've talked to, and, and it's getting a lot of buzz, if you will, a lot of buzz. Um, you are limited to certain things. So with the travel, you have to fill a bus. So once you fill a bus, that sets you up with, with it's usually 30. And then it, to include another one, you would have to fill another bus in order. So you would look kind of, so it's like that 30, that 60 kind of range. Um, based off of feedback, we, have, we would have no problem filling one bus. Um, and with the buzz of, uh, building up once people, because we haven't really even been promoting this yet, because we were waiting for official approval. But I have a feeling once we get official approval, what was the numbers you had for China? Oh, China was, was very low. We yeah. had 15, 15. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But we didn't have as much time that, that, that you have now, a year and a half to prepare yeah. for that. So. Which is why we kind of wanted to get ahead of it and at least in, in start organizing, getting the, getting the information out now, and get in front of people now so they can start planning accordingly. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, giving this presentation to us. And I think it's excellent that we're providing these opportunities for students. It's certainly extremely enriching for uh, students to see different parts of the world and to learn different cultures. And it's, it's very eye-opening. Um, and, and you mentioned the, um, that the tour donation page gets set up. I mean, I, mean, I see the price. You know, I mean, there's a lot included. Uh, but that certainly could be cost prohibitive for, uh, for many students. And we want to you know, ensure as best we can that these trips are inclusive to everyone from students from all socioeconomic backgrounds and so I, I certainly hope that we do our best to 
uh, be supportive of different fundraising opportunities and that we can uh, that we can help attract all students who would like to go but may see that as um, being cost prohibitive. So I would certainly encourage us to be very creative when it comes to um, helping with that fundraising. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. This is very exciting. Um, we're trying to do the math, and I will not have an upperclassman as a child in that in <laughs> April 2025. So you'll have to do another similar similar trip a couple years later. Um, so I guess you know the point that a few of my colleagues brought up just about the cost of it. Um, I I think we talk about this with every single trip, and it's just like in a way it just doesn't quite sit right for me. Um, that we're certainly there's certainly people that are not going to be able to access. This, even selling candy bars or putting up a pH on their parents' social media or whatever. Um, and I don't have a perfect solution for that. I just like encourage you know the advisors and the district and EF really to to keep thinking about this and and trying different creative things. Like maybe every student needs an extra seventy five dollars and that goes into a bank and that becomes a tuition a scholarship or something. You know what I mean? So. Um, I certainly support the trip and it looks phenomenal and sounds like you guys are very experienced in this and very passionate about this work and that absolutely will rub off on these kids. Um, and I can't wait with the, with, with the Spain trip, right? We got pictures afterwards and they came in and talked a little about how it went and that was really, I think that was really rewarding. <laughs> Just sit on this side of the bench because we can't go on any of these field trips, unfortunately. Um, as school committee members, and so we just have to live vicariously through the staff and students that get to do that. So um, thank you for your work putting this together, and um, can't wait to hear more about it as it gets closer. Yeah, uh, thanks for your presentation. It sounds like a great trip. Um, and uh, yeah, you make a good point about, you know, some can't afford that, you know, some can't afford that, which is you know, not too bad. But um, yeah, um, it's not, I think it sounds great. And we're, we're certainly willing to take um, you know, suggestions or feedback or maybe we can work with the community to maybe establish or set up need-based scholarships on a, on a kind of like a, I don't know, application process or an, you know, uh, an essay or, you know, so yeah. we're certainly work, working to, uh, to alleviate that to, to accommodate as many students as we can. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that you and I agree on so many things that this seems to We don't agree on, we don't agree on. Sometimes you can't go. I didn't get to go to Costa Rica because I'm not bitter. I'm fine. Oh, so not bitter. <laughs> okay. I'm better for it. <laughs> um, I did have just a couple of questions. Um, so we talk about like, inclusivity. Is there going to be some kind of way to ensure that if there are any kind of students with disabilities who want to attend, are they also ensured that they have the same kind of access? EF does their best okay. to, to ensure all that. Um, I'm, but I gotta be honest, in, in Southeast Asia, transportation would be very, very different and limited than it would be um, in the Western Hemisphere with mm -hmm. regards to um, wheelchair accessibility and stuff like that. So I, I, I do wanna be upfront and honest mm -hmm. about that. Um, the, the, we will be driving in you know, little roads, narrow roads and mm -hmm. rocky roads and muddy roads and um, the transportation will be significantly different than it would be in the United States or, or in Western Europe, so. Thank you. And I don't want you to think that I'm just picking on you guys because I do this for every trip that we have to look at. Mm -hmm. So I always check the travel advisories. And it seems as though Cambodia does right now. Is this something that we're going to watch for the next two years? Because like reading it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of 
not ideal for students. So, so that that is part of their peace of mind program. That's mm -hmm. part. So they actually monitor that, and they won't they won't even let us go. So okay. so they 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 kind of almost are overly protected when it comes to these trips. So they that's part of the program that builds in. And what they'll do is work with with us to uh, find a new location that they do feel much more comfortable okay. with us. Um, um, and if that doesn't work out, then they, they give us some new back. Okay. So yeah, because like the, the specific city that's listed on the itinerary is the one that's specifically listed in the travel advisory for landmines. Yes. So I'm like, ah. And then it's like, it's a level two exercise increased caution. Um, so I'm like, oh no. So like this is, I mean obviously like two years from now, anything could change. So but like this is something that they watch, monitor, and they'll work with us to make sure that if it's not safe for the students, they'll find somewhere else for us to go. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. motion and a second so if nothing else well, then we'll go ahead and vote on the motion all those in favor signify by saying aye aye, aye. opposed all right motion carries all right thank, thank you very you. much guys right. thank you <laughs> now you guys can go all get right. out of here thank you have a great night Here, we've got our second discussion action item. I recommend approval of the 23-24 district improvement plan as presented tonight. All right, is there a motion to approve the 23-24 district improvement plan as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Question, comment, discussion? All right, vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Right. Discussion only items none. Information matters. Superintendent evaluation. Um, so we can expect drafted superintendent goals for our review in October. Okay. Budget, do you think? Uh, budget hasn't met since our last meeting, but our next meeting is scheduled for September 26th at 6 p.m. Okay. Policy, do you have uh, Next meeting is September uh, 20th. And on the bill, we got uh, like a roadmap for a lot of policies ahead, uh, and then a couple other ones we'll start kicking around. Uh, community relations met last night to discuss the Harvest Festival. Lively discussion, very fun. Um, so the Harvest Festival is Saturday, September 30th. We're gonna have a booth as usual. We're gonna have some fun activities for the entire family. I know Mr. Jagir and I, we disagreed on some things, but we're gonna come together and come up with some good raffle prizes. Uh, I'm going to be reaching out to everybody on the committee just to kind of, because to have just kind of, um, everyone's just going to kind of take shifts that day because it's 12 to 5, so um, plan on seeing that soon. Uh, Lily's also going to be ordering more of those calendar magnets that everybody loves so awesome. much. So it's awesome, and hopefully some budget information. Mm -hmm. um, all right, join PCC hour. Uh, we met for the first time this year on Monday. Uh, we talked through some back to school uh, opening, which Mr. Gear had shared as well earlier today. Um, changes to the field trip process, and just kind of alluding to how we want to um, be more um, cognizant of multiple schools having field trips on the same day. And we really try to make sure that we have um, adequate nurse staffing and transportation and funding, so more to come around that. Um, looking at how do we um, enhance the quarry process. Right now it is something we do 
every year, and I think it's um, mm -hmm. the, the legality of every two to three years that it, it should be done. Uh, so really just kind of how, how do we enhance that, uh, possibly even making it more electronic. Um, so that's an option. Uh, quick update on the migrant housing, which Mr. Jaguar shared earlier today. Uh, we did have the Franklin Food Pantry as a guest speaker, um, and they shared an update on the work that's been done at the new location, um, how they're supporting Franklin families, um, those that have students as well, um, and really just, just driving some awareness around the food insecurities that's out there today. Um, in addition to that, um, we talked through just the normal uh, PCC events that are occurring. Um, so the various schools shared um, activities such as um, teacher appreciation uh, for the start of the year, uh, for back to school luncheons and, and uh, breakfasts, uh, various um, activities to get the, the families together, such as um, kindergarten popsicles in the playground, um, and um, uh, an update around the back to school night, which is happening on the 13th, which is tomorrow, um, from 5 to 7 p.m. So if you do have a child in an elementary school, uh, please do attend. A great way to go in the schools, uh, learn layout, um, see what's happening, see your child's classroom. So it's a, it's a great, great, great night. Um, and then just some other fundraising events that they may be doing. So dining out, uh, movie nights, boosted on across various schools. Um, and I think that was the kind of gist of it. Uh, but really great start to the year, um, good information. Miss back to school day. You can help. No, it's not the same. School wellness and budget council. Um, SWAC's first meeting is October 3rd. Okay. Uh, CPAC. So CPAC sent out a welcome um, email that I think all families received. And they're running a calendar raffle fundraiser. This, so they're selling calendars now that will start in October. There's over $4,800 in prizes. Um, so you can check their website or their Facebook page to um, purchase one of those. They'll be at the volunteer, the Franklin Volunteer Fair, which is tomorrow evening at the Black Box from 6 to 8 p.m. So they'll have a booth or table there. And they're hosting a basic rights workshop focused on special education and the evaluation and eligibility process, Thursday, October 19th at 7 p.m., and that's a virtual one. Lots, lots of good stuff, they're hitting the ground running. Mental Health and Wellbeing Task Force, our first meeting is October 10th, DEI committee. We will we'll be meeting on Thursday to set the first meeting. Okay. Comprehensive School Facilities Planning. Thank you. Uh, so uh, we just met for the first time last week. Mm -hmm. uh, really kind of talked about just the scope of uh, this uh, subcommittee and kind of what we're looking at, which is uh, specifically just a, a review of all the facilities that we have, a uh, hard look at the demographics, population studies, and then also uh, really just like the educational vision across all of Franklin. And then, so uh, to that end, and then we're going to be looking for, uh, we have some, some demographic studies uh, based on 2010 census data. We're going to be looking to upgrade that to 2020 census data, get more reliable information. Um, and then we're also going to be uh, seeking out some proposals for some consulting uh, firms. And just uh, to 
kind of keep on everybody's uh, you know, radar. I know that this term itself will kind of be, we only got a couple more meetings before it's going to expire. So we're looking to have that proposal and kind of like the vote on whether or not that something's going to want to, uh, want to move forward off on, on this uh, specific, you know, seven of us uh, here, uh, no later than the 24th of October, which would be our final meeting in this term. And then our next meeting uh, right now is on October 4th. Uh, we did talk about a quick uh, meeting ahead of time, though, just to take a look at some uh, reviews, drafts of some of those proposals. Thank you. All right. Uh, consent agenda, Mr. Chair. I recommend approval of the minutes from your August 22nd, 2023 meeting as detailed. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Discussion questions? Seeing none, but we'll come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Um, good of the order. In the school committee adopted rules and protocols, item 26 states good of the order's purpose is to allow the members to speak about the functioning of the school committee with the intent of improvement. Would anyone have anything they'd like to discuss at this time? to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview. Okay. New business, Mr. G. New business, next meeting, you can expect um, school improvement plans as part of the presentation. That's the main event. All right. At this time, I'd like to entertain a motion to adjourn. Is there a second? Second. All right, vote will come the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All right, meeting is adjourned. See you in two weeks. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements, and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.